All right. Are you guys ready for your next podcast? Fantastic. This next one is a pretty amazing show. They were voted the second best podcast in Portland by the Willamette Week. We went first two years, but then we got third to them. So <laughs> they are seriously amazing. This show is an absolute treasure for Portland. And yeah. And they, they're going to do something very, very special for us tonight. Something special. We, I got to hear the preview of it beforehand. So what they do is they research movies that were filmed in and around Portland, which are mostly terrible. And they tell you about the history of them. It's a great show. And I did this same introduction last year. I think I'm going to do the same one again. Do it. Because on this podcast, you are going to get not only a former nuclear engineer, you're going to get a Portland icon. Unipiper and a Todd. It's Portland at the movies. Give it up for Portland at the movies, everybody. Hello, we are Portland at the movies. My name is Todd Workoven. Uh, I am with Mark Middleton there on the end, and of course, Brian the Unipiper kid is here. We do a podcast about movies made in and around Portland, and we have an amazing one for you tonight. So are you ready to dive in? All right. Before Twilight, before the Vampire Lestat, before Blade, and a little bit after Blackula, there was Defula, which means it's time for another Portland at the Movies. In a world, in a time, in a land of eternal beauty. All that stands between a city and a disaster. In a city where anything can happen. If you thought you had seen it all. A moment ago, I ordered peanuts. This motion picture was produced for deaf and hard of hearing audiences. Sign language is totally visual with a unique grammatical structure. Its interpretation into modern English would destroy much of the effect of this form of communication. With this in mind, we will provide as literal a voice track as possible to help you follow the story. Well, hello and welcome to Portland at the Movies. So we find and review movies that are filmed in and around the Portland metro area. Last year, if you were here, you saw us uh, review Chuck Norris as a shape-shifting bear, wolf, and eagle as he protected Mount Hood. Uh, and this year, we tried to top that. So we were reviewing, uh, we were getting ready for our Halloween episode, and we stumbled upon this gem. So it was filmed in 1975. It's the only movie filmed entirely in American Sign Language. And this may be the first horror flick filmed in Portland. So, the Brian the Unipiper kid is with us here. What's up with the nose? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, sorry, this is uh, my Defula costume, Mark. You see, I watched Defula, and I learned that when you turn to a vampire and kill people, your nose grows five sizes, and you get these pointy teeth. So this movie is bizarre, and like we said, it is done all in American Sign Language, and that is the least interesting thing about it, because we have a black and white movie about a deaf Dracula, 
it, it turns out, I, there's a note from the, the producer here who said that they, uh, they uh, gathered a group, um, and most of the people here, everyone in the movie uh, does American Sign Language. There's no, there's no lip movement to read, there's no anything else. So after they kind of loosely improvised a script, they went back and just uh, did an audio track of what they signed and released that as a movie. Why don't you take us through what this, this movie is about, Brian? It's kind of like Plan 9 meets The Room uh, meets 1932 Dracula. Um, and I think we should say that this movie is something of an urban legend um, because before the internet, it had only sort of made its way around by word of mouth and there were no copies of this movie, per se, to pass around. So people didn't even, they were debating its existence. Well, because it was only sold in 16 millimeter film, but never was released on the VHS format because it was a little too early. So if it had been released right. five or 10 years later, I think this would be a total cult classic. Yes. Not even Movie Madness has this, although now they will because they we're will. gonna donate our copy when we're done. Yes. Um, so through some crazy means, uh, Mark was able to secure us a copy. Um, okay. But I, I think it's important to note that this is one of those films where it is uh, written directed and starring the same person. Um, it, so you know it's gonna have a it's, certain quality to it. It has a Neil Breen-esque quality as well as the Tommy <laughs> Wiseau. So it starts with two officers investigating a series of murders yes, in Portland. In uh, Portland, this, although they I don't, think, I don't think they ever mention Portland, they just, no. it's just filmed here. Yeah, it's not specifically set in Portland, though it, they do show Portland areas here and there. Um, but it, they open with the police investigating what is the 26th murder. 26? <laughs> um, All of which have puncture wounds, and so they have called in a, a tiny detective from England to help, uh, to help investigate these 26 murders, and apparently this guy, the detective from England, is also the person responsible for killing Dracula, which was on the front page of a newspaper at one point. Yes, as he constantly reminds our main characters, he killed Dracula over across the pond, and that qualifies him for investigating the vampire murders of Portland. And he is working with a police detective from Portland. Who, yes. Do you think, because the, the entire movie, this, this police officer from Portland is always yelling at the guy from England to both do things and not do that. He'll, he'll yell at him, we called you over here to investigate this. And the guy would sit down to investigate it and he says, what are you sitting down for? Get up and do something. And just constantly going back and forth shouting at this guy who is terrible at being an investigator. And he'll try to introduce himself to somebody and then the police officer will be like, okay, that's enough out of you. And, and shut him up. So the, I think the most bizarre thing is that this movie stars a blonde, uh, a blonde man named Steve who when he transforms into Defula transforms into that. And that's how you know he's in vampire mode because his nose. He has a big crazy fake nose. He just appears with the cape and cowl and then he'll go back to being the blonde guy. So he can like transfigure tr clothing as well. He has the full cape, the full Dracula. What, uh, tell us about the uh, more interesting, crazy aspects of this film, Todd. Well, before, the crazy parts we'll get into, but the, some of the interesting things were because it was done in sign language, there's a lot of things, uh, because um, the, in the police cruiser, instead of walkie-talkies, they had one of those TTY, you know, typing telephone Teletype. 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 Yeah. 
Um, and then they also, at a, at a different point in uh, when somebody was ringing a doorbell to get in, it, they weren't knocking. The doorbell activated the lights to turn on and off because obviously you wouldn't be able to to hear the doorbell. And so there's a lot of little things like that. We, we could show that little clip right now with oh, the, yeah. the Great. can hands. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's see what we got here. Uh, that one is called can hands. Oh. We're going to have to explain can hands. I told you. <laughs> I'm sorry, I suppose we should have mentioned there's a Quasimodo-like character with cans over his hands in this movie. I don't know He's how got he cans for hands. jumped over that. So uh, He has a name, Todd. What's his name? His name is Zork. <laughs> I'm sorry, Zork is in this movie, in case you didn't realize that. So there are... The other interesting thing is, after watching this movie, there's a, just a billion bizarre choices, like to put aluminum cans over a character's hands. Um, no, I think the reason for that, it's the movie's way of saying that this person is mute and doesn't speak. Yeah, he cannot talk. Since everyone in this movie <laughs> speaks with their hands. So there was, um, this is also, an, uh, also a note from the producer. It says, uh, the audience reactions were fascinating. We can arrange extra bass in the speakers that were placed near the screen, which would help uh, uh, trigger suspense via vibration, but there was a lot, the hearing folks had a different reaction. And the guy asked, well, what about Defila's big fake nose? What's up with that? And the producer said, it's light comedy. The deaf loved it, the hearing didn't. And that came up over and over again that it was a completely different experience for the hearing audience versus the, audi the signing audience. And weird choices like that went over so well in the deaf community and everyone else doesn't have any idea what's going on. Right, and I think uh, you said in that same interview, they say that uh, the audio that was, the, the vocal uh, that was dubbed over the actors doesn't necessarily correspond to what the actors are actually signing. Right, and so let's bring up, there's, there's a scene in here that uh, I can only compare it to the flower shop scene in The Room. Right. And it, the clip is a little long, and, and stick with it. It, it, it is it just is. a scene that, that goes, you know, it doesn't, it, it goes forward, there's forward momentum, things are happening, people are talking, and it doesn't matter what they're talking about, it, they're just going. Yeah, and keep in mind, the only That's character in this scene that, that we as an audience up to this point know and will ever see again is the little short detective guy that you'll see. That guy there. Do you want to come home with me? Where do you live? Habitat apartment. 200 a month. That must be a nice place. How much money? I haven't seen you in a long time. Just a minute. Pay your friend over there, won't you? My friend, uh, over there. I'm going. Okay. I have business with him. Okay. They wandered in from a different movie, these people. I don't know. It's the Amish. <laughs> Starsky and Hutch, maybe? Ah, matches? That's how you do a tracking shot. <laughs> Take that, good fellows. Going back to his place. Yeah. That line worked. <laughs> this scene is still going. Delicious. Anyway, that tough chopper of yours. And your car, what engine dimensions? I think, well, 200 overhead cam. My pistons go like this, huh?
My pistons go like this. In case you didn't hear that, he said, my pistons go like this. Scene ends, we never see any of these people again. Does anyone out here uh, can read sign? Because I want to know what they're really saying. <laughs> Our theory was that they were just improving background, you know, motion, and, no, and then didn't know later that their actual, what they were talking about was going to be translated into the film. Just talk, am, talk amongst yourselves. Yeah. So let's talk about the setup of the universe in which this film takes place. Okay. Um, so we know that vampires exist in, in this world and that everyone is just okay with that because they, they talk about vampires. Oh, the murders must be a vampire because they have... Okay, we'll go with that. Um, everyone in this universe signs. Okay. Yes, all of them. Um, and the vampires don't necessarily... Uh, they don't react to sunlight or religious iconography. Until at the end of the movie when you need to suddenly kill your vampire and then and sunlight and crosses will kill them. Right. And vampires have the power of Jedi mind tricks. They, do, they, can, they can teleport, too, because there's a point where there's a lady we've never seen before going to bed, uh, and Defula appears in her room, and she gets up and tries to run away, and he is suddenly on the other side of the room. And he does that two or three times until he does the classic cape up uh, and then bites her neck. So that is a power they also have, is teleportation. Yes. So one of the things that we like to do when we look at these movies is, is look at the individual locations that are featured in them. Uh, and some movies that are filmed in Portland uh, do a better job than others of showcasing Portland. This one, unfortunately, doesn't really showcase Portland all that well. Um, but there are a couple of uh, interesting scenes that, we, that are worth mentioning for sure, uh, this being one of them. You want to tell us what this is, Mark? Yeah, this is the KGW newscaster, uh, and they do say that it's Channel 8 and KGW News, but he is only signing the news. Which is apparently a thing. Uh, we should mention the director of this film, uh, whose name is Peter Wolf, um, or Peter something else. He, he goes by a couple of names. Um, he won an <laughs> Emmy. This is he an is Emmy. wanted in several states. He won an Emmy. Um, for uh, a news broadcast that he did, I believe, in San Francisco, um, all in sign. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Huh. Uh, what else we got? What else is... Uh, oh, yes. Piddick Mansion makes, it, makes its... Uh... It does. The, the most interesting thing about this movie is that um, the Piddock Mansion only mentions that there's three movies made there. There's uh, the two horror movies, The Haunting of Sarah Hardy, Unhinged, and then Body of Evidence. But then it showed up in this movie, and it is the best it has ever looked in any of the movies that we've looked. So we get this nice outside shot, and then there's an inside, like, nice tracking shot of the nice stairwell, and it looked great in this movie. So this really completes the horror uh, Portland trifecta of Pittock Mansion it movies. It does. Three yeah. movies. Three horror movies. Oh, Pittock Mansion, Mansion also had Dracula's catacombs underneath it. Un okay, so, Mark, uh, yeah. when you enter Pittock Mansion, which plays a museum in this movie, right. you go into the basement, where do we go? Uh, we actually go outside of Cougar, Washington to the Ape Caves. Ah, yes. So the, the Ape Caves are the set for where uh, Dracula lives. Dracula's his, tomb. So they've got his uh, coffin down there, and he rises the from it and everything. Basement of Pittock Mansion. What else? Uh, we have, oh, there's Portland. There's, oh. there's lots of shots of Portland. It uh, goes, goes uh, really well. Um, and then there's, there's just a lot of weird little uh, dialogue scenes. This is one of my favorites. Uh, this is totally the oh, hi, Mark moment. Um, beer. Oh, 
Nuts, peanuts. I grew up okay. with him. That was a long Thank time you. ago. His father is a preacher. Oh, yes. I see. So good to see you again. A moment ago, I ordered peanuts. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> so that's why I think they were just told to maybe fill time as they were shooting it. And oh, hi, doggy. Because. <laughs> A moment ago, because those I ordered peanuts. Those choices make no sense, even in the context of the film. Either of those lines. Can we talk about how this movie uh, rips off other movies uh, for music? There are long, long stretches in this movie where there will be no sound, and you start to wonder. It, it, in a way, it makes it more creepy because it's weird that there's no sound. But then we have the scene where this. Suddenly, we have the theme from Dragnet, and we enter detective mode. So yeah, in this scene, this, the, our little detective is 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 investigating another Dracula murder and finds some vomit that our Defula threw. It's a long story. But uh, he finds the, the vomit, and in order to save it, scoops it up and puts it in his pocket. In order to produce later as evidence. Well, that peanut line from the previous scene was actually turned out to be important because we catch the bad guy knowing that they found peanuts in the vomit. That was the key. That's quite the bow on the peanut story. <laughs> oh, I guess we should have said spoilers. Uh, sorry. Uh, so, uh, so I guess the question in everyone's minds out there is: uh, Would we recommend watching Defula? I would 100% recommend watching this movie because, like I said, it's the, the story of it is fascinating as far as the American Sign Language aspect and, and all of those little touches are really fascinating. It's not completely inept. I, there's some things that work kind of nicely. But there's some great shots, like in the Pittock Mansion, there's a shot that pans around the staircase. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it's an, it has a niche audience, and I think the audience that would like this would love this. And so you will soon be able to get it at, at Movie Madness. Yeah, Mark, would you recommend people I go? I would absolutely recommend this. It's, uh, it's a, a very obscure, unknown part of uh, Portland's history. It, it is, a, yes, an extremely important part of uh, Portland's film history. Uh, it fills uh, a unique timeline in the Portland film canon, 1975. We don't yeah, really have much else. That's, that's hot off the, the wheels of Raquel Welch in uh, Kansas City Bomber. <laughs> Classic. Were there any scenes that we didn't touch on before we uh, have to leave? We can wrap up with uh, the scene of Dracula. Dracula himself Dracula. introducing himself inside. Known to all as a bloody oh. thirsty <laughs> He gave me the speed and double. I'm your son, Dracula. Sorry. <laughs> you must believe me. Technically, you can watch the whole movie <laughs> muted. Technically. <laughs> so. so. Yes, worth it for a man named Zork who has aluminum cans taped over his hands because it's a mute who, uh, what he, he was, uh, he behaved abominably and God took his hands away, we are told about Zork. So that is the prequel I want to see. So maybe we can crowdfund that. Awesome. I'd love to know what you have to do to get your hands taken away in the world of Defula. <laughs> well, thank you to the Portland Podcast Festival for having us back. Yes. Let's see. Next year. The name of the movie is Defula. Look for it soon on the shelves of Movie Madness.